Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and co-parents of all ages, this podcast is for you. Introducing in the center ring the amicable divorce expert, Judith Weigel. Welcome back, everyone, to the Amicable Divorce Expert podcast. Today, I'm going to show you how to stop being a victim. If you're a victim in the marriage, meaning you feel like you have no control, we're going to iron this out. One easy step, you can turn everything around. But first, I really need to go through why you're a victim. Being a victim is a choice. It's not a requirement in a relationship. So why are some people choosing victimhood in their marriages? And plenty of people do. It comes out in the divorce. Well, here are a couple of reasons. First of all, it could be learned behavior from your parents' relationship. You know, we are products of our parents' behavior, our parents' relationship, what we learned from our parents. And of course, we're products of our own DNA, which could be a little different than our parents. But by and large, we repeat the behavior of our parents and we don't even know it. So you, if you are a victim listening to this episode, you may very well have had a mother who was a victim, who knew nothing about the family finances, couldn't find the time title to the house. And that was their relationship. But you embraced it as yours, not even understanding that you're doing it. Number two, you could just normally have feelings of insecurity. And when you're with a more powerful person, a more secure person, someone who seems to understand what they're doing in life and totally in control, that's very attractive initially. I mean, who doesn't want to be taken care of, right? Everybody wants to be taken care of. But then there's a point where, well, wait a minute. Being taken care of has actually morphed into, I have no clue what's going on in the finances of this marriage. I have no clue what we own, what we owe. It comes out in the divorce. But that's what you could have experienced at some point in the marriage. And then there's the fear of losing the relationship. You know, a lot of decisions that we make are based on fear. They're based on fear of losing whatever it else, whatever it is we have. And even though what we have may not be satisfying to us, satisfactory to our feelings of appreciation and equality, we still have this fear. So we cave. We do things that our spouse wants us to do out of fear of losing our spouse, out of the insecurity we may have personally going into the relationship, and as a result of, well, that's what we've seen in our parents' relationship. And it doesn't matter that it didn't work out very well for your parents. What matters is you have this muscle memory, and in that muscle memory is what you've seen and what you've felt when observing your parents, and it just comes out of you when you're an adult. Number two, how do you know when you're a victim? Well, you give the power of decision-making to your spouse, even when it doesn't make sense. 
you'll be asked to sign things you don't even know. And if you even want to read them, you'll be told, don't be ridiculous, don't you trust me? That's right. You'll be put down if you even ask questions, like a normal adult would ask. And the fact that your spouse would just want to hand you paperwork to sign for anything is not a good sign. Um, under that, you fear bringing up topics to your spouse, like the finances of the family, to avoid verbal hostility. You know, things really rest in the financial aspect of the marriage. That's why most marriages break up. The, the way people look at money, the way people handle money, the way people control money, control information to money, that's what breaks up most marriages. It just boils underneath, under the surface of the relationship until at some point it simply erupts. Uh, as a third point under this, you don't insist, if you're the victim, on being part of the income tax filing and you sign the income tax reports without reading them. That is the worst thing you could ever do. And when I have people coming to the office and they want to really argue about things and they've been doing joint filings, all I say is, you know, you have your joint income tax report. What you're talking about is found on the income tax report. For instance, if you're saying, well, I really don't know how much he makes or she makes, it's on the income tax report. You've signed it. It's joint filings, if you've done joint filings. So did you ever read it? No. Okay, well, read the income tax report. Well, I don't know where it is. Ask for it. Well, I'm afraid to ask for it. Ask the accountant. I don't know who the accountant is. I mean, it goes on and on and on. Once you engage legal professionals, this will all come out. But this is about how you know whether you're a victim or not. And then the last sub point on how you know when you're a victim is your spouse will present a settlement agreement to you to sign before a legal professional is involved for legal advice or to initiate the filing once you're ready to get a divorce. That is always the sign that you have operated as a victim when your spouse will come to you and say, well, here, this is what I think is fair. Just sign it. And then we'll just hire somebody and they'll do the paperwork and that'll be that. Seriously? No. That is when you absolutely have to say no. So if you are presented with a divorce settlement agreement and you've not seen an attorney yet, your spouse more than likely has not seen an attorney yet. And if they have, then they should never present you with something like that. You and you, the time you need to process the divorce, to get legal counsel, to have a conversation about family finances, that all has to take place, but it really can't take place if you've assumed the victim or the submissive role. So it comes out in the marriage, it comes out as a victim. And when you present yourself to divorce professionals, you will present yourself as a victim. Oh, woe is me. I don't know anything. I've always been controlled. Well, no, you've allowed yourself to be controlled. I'm not criticizing you. I, I'm truly not criticizing you. I'm just saying that nobody is a victim unless they've accepted that role. 
And that role doesn't have to stay the same in perpetuity. That role can change anytime you want. So number three, how to change from victim to equal partner in the divorce decision-making, because now you're here. If you're listening to this podcast, you've either filed for a divorce or you're ready to file. So you know I'm speaking your language right now if you feel like you've been in the position of imposition when it comes to controlling your own money, uh, uh, having access to the family money, understanding what you have as family money, to be divided um, in a divorce. So I did say, or I did indicate, that this can change in one easy step, and it can. You don't have to, you're not going to correct the past. The past is the past. All you can do is change the present going forward. And here's how you do this. I'm showing you what to say. Quote, this is your new quote. I am an equal partner in this relationship and want equal decision making in the divorce. Allow me to say that again, please. I am an equal partner in this relationship and want and an equal decision making and want equal decision-making in this divorce. Okay, don't want to screw you up, but that's it. And I want equal decision-making in this divorce. It's so important, I can't tell you. One sentence. Now stand back because the person you're talking to is going to be in shock that you're even saying this. That's why I'm going to, as I read further, I'm going to give you some tips on how to uh, how to maintain your voice and the words you choose and how to engage in the interaction that is soon to follow so once you process and understand why you've accepted being a victim your voice and attitude can change to one of calm control that is what you want to exercise calm control that's actually how I'm speaking to you right now. I'm calm and I am in control. That's how you want to be. You don't want to plead. You don't want to let anger seep out. So you have to practice this, by the way. You really have to practice how you sound and the words you choose. But before that, you really have to process why. You have to come to an understanding why you allowed your spouse to control you. Okay, so you can say, well, Judy, I mean, you know, we divided up the uh, duties in the marriage. He or she, generally he, um, earned more money, took control of the family finances, investing them, creating the pension, the retirement plan, you know, who we saw as an accountant. He did all of that because even though I worked a bit, you know, and I earned a decent salary, I took care of the kids. Or sometimes one of the kids gets seriously sick and one person has to scale back on their work, let the other person who makes more money continue to work full time so that they can take care of their child. I mean, so many things can happen in a marriage that will dictate 
how you divide up family duties. But at the end of the day, you're equal partners. You can't look at that any differently. If you're a woman who's never worked or worked prior to marriage and then once you decided to start a family, uh, stopped working, even if you've done that, you're an equal partner because if you both want to have a family, somebody has to raise the family. Somebody has to get them to school, do their homework, take them to, to activities, or you don't have a family. So please understand this. All women that I'm talking to or some men, some rare men whose wives earn more money and they've taken on more of the domestic duties, you're still an equal partner. Because the family is an institution just like the company that your other spouse works for. We have families at work. We have families at home. They're both important. So you don't have to be mean, arrogant, or demanding. Bear in mind that it was your choice, consciously or unconsciously, to be submissive in the marital decision-making. More than likely, this submissiveness, this submissive position is driven, has driven you to the divorce. But that's okay. You're now exercising control over your own life. The divorce is going to be that event that changes everything for you in a good way, in a positive way. Using a calm tone and words that aren't offensive or blaming, you cannot blame. That's to your advantage. It's the words we choose and the tone of voice we use that means everything when we're delivering our message. So what typically happens once a victim leaves their former role of powerless person and assumes the role of individual control is that there is an over-exaggeration of attitude which starts a fight and blows everything out of con- out of proportion. The controlling spouse will be shocked at seeing a different attitude in their submissive spouse, that's for sure, and will become both defensive and go on the offensive towards you. That's why it's so very important to use a calm, soothing voice and words that are as calming too. Okay, so I'm going to give you an example. But the very first thing I want to say is do not deliver this message until you understand why you agreed to be submissive. And again, you agreed, either consciously or unconsciously, you agreed to be submissive. Do not blame your spouse for that. And don't even blame yourself for that. It's just the way it is. But now you can change. So there's an acronym that I've used on this podcast many, many times. And it's BIFF, B-I-F-F. It stands for Brief, Informative, Friendly, and Firm. And this acronym was created by this Fabulous human being, Bill Eddy, E-D-D-Y, Bill Eddy. I've interviewed him on this podcast. Look up his. We've done three interviews, I think. And go on Amazon. 
He's the author of over 25 or 30 books on divorcing high-conflict personalities. And somebody who's seriously controlling has a little bit of a high-conflict personality. And so he will show you how to communicate to that person because you want that person on your team. You want that person to not be fearful, to not be mean. You want that person to mellow a little bit. And so in order to do that, because you're now changing, because you're now asserting your independence, your individuality, your equal decision-making, your equal partnership, it's going to be novel and new. And so you kind of have to expect him or her to say, what the heck is going on here? Who are you talking to? Is there, uh, something changed? Yeah, everything changed. I decided not to be a victim anymore. And that's my choice. That was my issue, not your issue. You have to say that. Okay, so here's an example. I'm going to use the sentence I told you to say. And that is, I am an equal partner in this relationship. And I want equal decision making in the divorce. So, Please don't come to me with a settlement that you've already done. I appreciate the work that you've been doing on this, but it's not time for us to sign anything. Let's involve legal professionals. Let's learn the laws of our state. And then let's get together after everything that we have is on the table And let's start making decisions that work for both of us. Now, how does that sound? Well, what are you talking about? I don't know why you're changing. This is really weird. I'm an equal partner. You just repeat it. I'm an equal partner in this relationship. I am so sorry if I have not expressed myself as such. That's my issue to deal with. So now you're taking responsibility for you. And that's what you need to do. You cannot blame him or her. You need to take responsibility for the way you've allowed the relationship to be a little lopsided imbalanced. But now that you're getting a divorce, it's time for an equal partnership to be established. And especially if you have children, you're going to need this to be an equal partnership going forward because co-parenting decisions in two different households are so much harder than parenting decisions in the same household. You've changed your relationship. You are co-parents. You will no longer be spouses, but you have an enormous responsibility to make tons of decisions going forward for your children, especially if they're really young. You have a lot of years before they're no longer minors. And even when they're in college, they're going to come to both of you for help. So brief, informative, friendly, and firm. Okay, give me some examples. This is what your spouse is going to say. I need to know because I don't think I'm controlling at all. I think I'm being helpful. I don't understand why you look at this as controlling. You may want to engage further. I do not see that I have been equal in decision making. Going forward, let's be partners. Let's make decisions together. 
Let's let legal professionals give us the laws of the state, and then let's make decisions that work for both of us. You haven't argued. And if he, he or she still wants to argue, just say, I really don't have anything more to say. I just want to be an equal partner in the decision-making going forward. I want to learn and understand the laws of our state. I want us to both have legal counsel. And then I want us to get together and make cooperative decisions. And I thank you very much for your for your engagement. I don't know. But anyway, so yeah, that, that's a really good start for both of you. A power imbalance has been created and maintained during the marriage. Once the victim wants to change the power imbalance, that will create fear in the mind of the controlling spouse. That's what I just said when I did that little role play. A calm tone and a refusal to argue will minimize the reaction of the controlling spouse. And just remember that there are so many issues on your controlling spouse's side too. Your controlling spouse probably doesn't know they're controlling. I mean, the same things for them that happened to you. Maybe this is how they saw their parents behaving. Maybe uh, their gender parent, if it's your husband, maybe that their father was controlling and that's how their household ran. I mean, in older marriages, you know, in years gone by, that's kind of the way it was accepted. And then quite often, husband dies first. Mother has no idea Wife has no idea what's going on in the family finances. I mean, it's a horrible position to be in. Sometimes it was debt-laden, and now the wife has to pay everything back and had no idea what was going on in the marriage. So you have to remember, once you are this different person, as calm as your voice is going to be, it's not going to be arrogant, dismissive. It's not going to be mean. It's just going to be calm. That's the name of the game, just being calm. They don't realize what they're doing. They need help too. So just just bear that in mind. Maybe they think they're doing the best thing for you. This is what they've learned. And maybe just part of their own personality is to be controlling. Maybe the jobs they have are controlling. Maybe you're married to another attorney. That's always fun. Maybe you're married to somebody who's in wealth management. They're used to controlling money. So, of course, they would be the best person to do the investments, to move the money forward, to make the financial profile of your household grow. Okay, well, they're used to being in control. So, you just have to bear that in mind. You know, this isn't about collecting injustices. Please don't look at this as... You've been so horrible to me all this time. I have a right to be mad. Don't do that. Please don't do that. It won't help you. Being calm, specific, brief, 
informative, friendly, and firm, that's going to help you. And start reading some of Bill's books. I am telling you, you'll completely change and for the better. And and the co-parenting will change for the better. Or the divorce decisions will change for the better. The relationship you have with your spouse will change for the better. Read his books. Uh, it, It will be the best money and time you've spent getting your sea legs, being independent, being in control, not being a victim. And he'll show you how to do it in a very good way. And lastly, realize that when legal professionals are involved and after you've received legal advice, so very important, the professionals will go by the laws of the state and will be your support system, so to speak to create the balance that never was in working with you to craft a divorce settlement that'll be right for both of you. Listen to this podcast episode over and over again. And if you need, I don't care what state you live in, if you need some communication coaching, I do that. I'm happy to do that. I love doing that because my whole goal and thrust in this is to create an amicable divorce experience. That is what I'm about. I want the divorce to be that event that may correct the imbalance from the past, that will allow you both to move forward in a more healthier way and to make you feel proud of yourself, that you were able to process everything about the marriage and the divorce and use divorce as a new beginning. I've said this repeatedly on this podcast. I just want you to change to be the best two people you can possibly be and create a divorce settlement that is beautiful, that is equally balanced, and will set you on your way and go help you go from victim to large and in charge. And so that's our podcast episode for today. Uh, you can go on SpeakerPipe on the podcast website, The Amicable Divorce Expert. You, you can contact me from there. It goes right to my email. Share this with anybody you know going through divorce or about to file. It's a great, great episode and so very important in many people's situations. Subscribe to this if you haven't subscribed, if you've just found this for the first time. And as always, have an amicable day. That's our show for today. Thank you for joining us. Be good to yourselves, be kind to your spouse, and cherish your children above all else. 